and welcome to the Imagineer Podcast, your unofficial guide to all things Disney. I'm your host, Matthew Krull, and you're listening to episode 138 of the Imagineer Podcast. In this podcast episode, we're going to kick off a two-part discussion that is a deep dive all about the music at Disney's Hollywood Studios. You can consider this to be a kind of Mouse in the Music Volume 2. You might remember Mouse in the Music Volume 1, which was also a two-part discussion, all about our favorite Disney attraction soundtracks at Walt Disney World and Disneyland. You can listen to that those two episodes back from December of 2021, Uh, but this two-part episode is just focusing on the area music, the attraction soundtracks, and other music you'll hear at Disney's Hollywood Studios, and more importantly, the emotions and the tone that it's supposed to set at the park and how this music is developed by Walt Disney Imagineering to connect you to the experience. You'll be, I hope, amazed by our discussion because we talk a lot about that connection factor, how this music is used to transport you into a different time, into a different place, and give you that emotional connection to your park experience. At the end of the episode, we'll come back and I'll tell you a little bit more about how you can connect with the Imagineer podcast on all your favorite social media channels and how you can help to inspire and create the future of this show. So grab some headphones, pull up your favorite armchair, and enjoy this episode of the Imagineer podcast. Welcome back to the Mouse and the Music, Volume 2. We haven't had an episode in months now, but, you know, it's better than some other volumes I've had out on Imagineer Podcast, where it's been a few years since I had a last update. But, Mike, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. You know, also, too, keep in mind that you were quite busy for the last, you know, six months or so, six, seven months. So Was I? I'm, I'm still I'm still busy. I don't know how I squeezed this in. For those of you listening to the episode live, we're only recording this just a few days before it's supposed to be out. So I am, for the first time ever in my five years of hosting Imagine Your Podcast, running episode by episode, uh, recording episode by episode, up to the wire. Whereas if you reached out to me six months ago, December of 2021, I had episodes locked and loaded through April. So I was always far ahead of schedule and no longer the case, but that's life with a newborn. But I am really excited for this conversation, Mike. I want to let you know I had, and I think we've spoken about this a little bit, I had such great feedback about our attractions soundtrack two-part deep dive episode. And I think it's because Disney music at attractions and at the parks resonate with a lot of people. And we were going back and forth about which park to start with, because I do think there's a case to be made to dive into each park. But we landed on Disney's Hollywood Studios because it has this really unique combination of original music with a whole lot 
of needle drop music. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with the term, because I was unfamiliar with the term before hosting this show, needle drop is essentially licensed music that is placed into, in this case, different areas of the park. So it's not original music created for the park, but Imagineer Russell Brower, who I interviewed on Imagineer Podcast a couple of years ago, talked about arranging and figuring out and finding all of these original, uh, or sorry, all these uh, music soundtracks from different movies that might fit into different areas and from different decades that might fit into different areas of this park. So doing the research, I was amazed at how deep into the park I got when it came to area music and to specific sections and subsections of the park. And then of course, attractions, there's a lot of music in Hollywood studios. So I'm really excited to chat about this subject. Um, Mike, before we get to specifics, what was the research process like for you with this park? This one was actually pretty challenging. I'm not going to lie. So yeah. this one was a lot of YouTube. I'm not going to lie. It was <laughs> like, you know, as a podcast host, I, I know I give you a lot of credit because you really like you, you are good about you do your homework like, you know, way in advance. I'm the kind of person like at the moment, I'm just going to go, I'm going to just chug through this really quickly and I can hone in my attention very quickly and get a lot of information. So um, for myself, it was really just like, I'm not going to lie. It was like just before we jumped on, I was like, okay, I'm just going to like dedicate an hour and I'm just going to go through this and real and really hone in on my research. And uh, so I'm listening to the area loops as I'm like researching. I, I honestly use YouTube and Wikipedia. Like those are like the top two and then maybe some additional articles here and there if I find them interesting. But usually I'll, I'll be able to digest um, fairly quickly like different information that I find very in- interesting within those two platforms. Yeah. And music at the parks change. It's not just Hollywood studios. It's yeah. every park. If you look at Epcot has gone through a pretty large transformation in the last couple of years. The entrance loop totally changed. The uh, specific areas, uh, the the World Showcase pavilions actually had changes in their music loops as well. Um, And that's not a current, you know, popular thing. It's a, a tradition that has been with Disney for a long time that they update music loops as new content comes into existence and as they revitalize the park part of that is updating the music um it's much like you when you want to go see a new film you're going to find in a lot of cases there's you know there's a wider library of music to access and the parks are there to in Walt's original form and vision to give a sort of four-dimensional uh you know walk through a movie set where you are the star of uh, a particular story, and uh, you know, at Disneyland, you're really navigating multiple stories, and and it's using a lot of film techniques. But Hollywood Studios, starting as MGM Studios, really took that, um, you know, sort of through another dimension. Um, you know, we'll get to Twilight Zone, Tower of Terror, but I also mean it in the sense that uh, there was a blend and a blur between what was meant to be on stage and what was backstage, you know, it really crossed this line of you're walking through a park that is backstage, but it's all still stage. So it's meant to feel authentic and yet still playful at the same time, which was really masterfully done. And now the park has evolved to be a different type of experience. And I think the name change over the years from Disney MGM studios to Disney's Hollywood studios 
speak to that as well. Um, but to your point, there's a lot of music loop changes that have occurred over the years. So I also had to do my homework. And a lot of times I'm, I'm on YouTube a lot as well. And I'll look for a recent 2022 walkthrough video and try to hear beyond the crowd sound to see, is this, is this the music loop I heard? Is this the same song? Can I catch that? That was it only because I haven't been to the parks as frequently over the last couple of years. Um, but to be honest, Hollywood studios, they have had just a few minor tweaks to their music loops over the last few years. So probably a lot of what you saw is, um, is relevant. And what I'm really excited about today is not just a list of, hey, here's the different songs you can hear throughout Hollywood Studios, but I really intend to connect it to the Imagineering of the park. Um, you know, working with you, Mike, as the as sort of the music expert of the uh, of the conversation, and of course, a, a Disney fan who's gone to Hollywood Studios your entire life as well, back when it was still MGM. Um, you know, it's it's going to be fun to talk about how the Imagineers use this music to uh, to engage you and immerse you in the right time period and the right setting and the right mindset and how that also evokes specific emotions as you're walking through different parts of the park and as you are even walking through a queue so that you're subconsciously feeling an emotion that is the same as if you were watching a movie where the score is there to provide the emotional context for what's happening on screen. Um, so that I am really excited to talk about because I, in doing this research, fig- found that more so at this park, um, you know, maybe not more than any other park, but just as much as any other park, there's a lot of specific intention that went into the type of music that was selected. Um, to frame this, though, I have a couple of things. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say, but one, one thing that I uh, thought was really interesting while doing this research is that you're seeing that Hollywood Studios is still going through their identity change from what it was originally the concept of and where it's going now. And I find that very interesting because you can hear the cohesiveness of the areas that have not been changed yet and what the original envision was, and then these new areas, you can see where they're trying to go. And where where before, a lot of the areas felt very integrated. So as we're going to talk about, it's like uh, a lot of uh, music from the 1930s and 40s, because that's what they wanted to invoke, was like, is that, the, you know, the 1930s Hollywood. And that is, it, that is ingrained in pretty much almost all the original areas of the park, where some of the newer sections are more pocketed to that essentially that little universe that they've they've created for that area and i find this very interesting and very intriguing of this direction where you know essentially it's almost like having mini parks within a larger park and i kind of like that that you go into this whole new different experience into these various different areas yeah that is that is very telling in the direction that they're going and i do think that hollywood studios to your point is still in this transformation period It'll be very interesting to see how it continues to evolve, and so, you know we'll, we'll get to some of those specific areas. Um, doing, I'm doing a, a little mini micro uh, lightning round for Hollywood Studios. I have three quick questions. Um, Ooh, okay. First, your favorite current attraction at the park. Favorite current attraction in the park? Uh, I would have to say Rise of the Resistance. That ride is just amazing. Um, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> 
All right. My, I think that's my new favorite, but my, I mean, I still love rock and roller coasters. Some of my favorite attractions of all time. So like, that's a really toss up. I would say for newer attractions, rides of the resistance for sure. In general, I still love rock and roller coaster. Like I can never get enough of that ride. And, uh, we're actually going to go to that attraction last in the way that I have this organized. So it'll be fun to, to cap that one off with, uh, or cap this episode off with rock and roller coaster. Um, second attraction, you probably noticed in my phrasing where I'm going with this, uh, your favorite extinct attraction at Hollywood studios or, you know, formerly MGM studios. I would say probably the great movie ride. I, lo- I love that attraction so much. I mean, it was dated. It was time for it to move on and just love everything about it. And also the music and, you know, the all the the various uh, films that they were honoring. I just was oh, it's always one of my favorites. So it was sad to see it go. But I also it, it was time for it to go. So, yeah, Um I was going to yeah. say Sounds Dangerous, the true carry. That was my favorite. No, I was- <laughs> hey, you know what? I liked that. I did one. like that one. <laughs> I did like that one because the first one that before Drew Carey was like just in general was actually and I was pretty young at the time. Like yeah. that was pretty scary. The first the first version where they're going to like that haunted house. I'm trying to remember. It's like um, what, what was it? Ca- oh, what was it called? What was you know, the first you're one called? jogging my memory as well. It, it was um, I'll have to look it up. I, I cannot remember the original name. It's probably in my Imagineering field guide, uh, but I'll, I'll I'll put it somewhere it in like the show notes. I cannot remember. It was always remember. involved with sound, but I don't. Yeah, remember it was always name. that was pretty cool though, because like I, I did like the original versions because because it, it taught people about what's called foley. And in film, um, Foley is all the sounds that you hear. So anytime you hear somebody closing a door or walking on gravel or something along those lines, that is actually done in. Um, in post-production actually so a lot of times the mics don't pick up those sounds so they actually have they're literally called foley artists that are basically um back in the day they would actually do it physically like they would actually make the sound like they actually like have setups to make those sounds nowadays a lot of it's digital obviously but um that's what foley is yeah and it was the monster sound show that's it thank you the monster (laughs) sound show that's right thank you um yeah, my favorite extinct truly is also the Great Movie Ride. Um, maybe the Backlot Tour, but I, I really did like the Great Movie Ride more than anything else. Um, What's your favorite attraction, by the way? Because you know, oh, I'm it was ask this, you the same questions. It was the same as you. It's Rise of the Resistance. Rise, that hundred percent. That's my new favorite. Um, the and the last question is your favorite place to dine at Hollywood Studios. Oh, Sci Fi Diner. We are the, definitely related. Driver. you know and it's sad because i i'm lactose intolerant so i can't even have their shakes but i mean their burgers are actually pretty good and they actually have a good gluten-free bun so like i still enjoy it but okay this is the one time where i hope that they never get rid of that because when i go in there i still i feel like i'm five years old again going in there because it hasn't changed at all and it's so cool to go in there and and just kind of and just experiencing it and i just feel like i'm a kid again it's just yeah. so amazing how your brain works like that, and um, and the real um, that was on there that has not the cha- has not changed in this entire time. In, in fact, quick, completely side note story, but it's a really fun one is that there is one of the animation sequences. I think is when I, I think something about the it was it's something related to the future, and I'm trying to remember which one it was. Like it was like a rocket, like that was yep. being was sh- shot off, and it was. Uh, a specific day and year, which was, I'm pretty sure was 2020. So they actually had, um, it was like February something of 2020. And my parents were actually there on that exact day 
that this animation sequence was was showing so they actually had like these special cards printed out that that had like blast off to the moon or something like that that they actually got because they were at sci-fi diner that day that is cool i I didn't know that story (laughs) i you know that that's the the disney difference right there (laughs) yep um you you made it to the day that they predicted um we would be taking rockets to the moon just like we're taking a bus to hollywood studios um which is, uh, you know, it's always fun to look at those. We're going to talk about sci-fi. It was actually the, it's it's the same answer for me. And it was the um, music loop I decided, or the loop, I should say, I decided to listen to before we started recording, just because it makes me laugh. It makes me smile. It's it's just so, um, <laughs> such a, a goofy um, reel that uh, was so serious back in the 50s and the 60s. And, you know, probably still a little jokey back then but now it's just totally hilarious to look back at the trailers from these b movies from the sci-fi b movies <laughs> and, from the and how can you not love the the uh, self-referential purple people leader when that goes off when yep. montage. <laughs> <laughs> anyway i mentioned bus to hollywood studios and that usually drops you off or skyliner drops you off um right at even if you take the ferry at the entrance and the entrance has its own music loop it's it's a very similar case to most parks where they have a unique um, entrance loop, whether you are before the turnstiles. In some cases, um, you don't really get a music loop until after you pass the turnstiles, but there's few exceptions. I think Epcot's the only one I can think of that doesn't really have a different music loop pre-turnstile versus post-turnstile. But um, Hollywood Studios does have its own um, you know, pre-turnstile security uh, area uh, music loop. And this is meant to set the stage, and we mean that literally with Hollywood Studios, um, for the park. And in its original form, of course, Disney MGM Studios was designed, as we mentioned in the beginning, to be a journey into the movies where the lines were blurred between backstage and on stage. And you see that in places like Sci-Fi Dine-In Theater or even The Great Movie Ride, where you're intentionally seeing... Um, you know, back in the original uh, park, you would intentionally see the show lights above because it was meant to be you were going through a stage set of these movies, but you also were immersed in the show at the same time. So it was really blurring this weird um, and very cool line in a very intelligent way between those two. The park has evolved a bit since then, as we, as we mentioned, where it's uh, starting to shift more and has been shifting a little bit more towards the immersion side where you're not meant as much to see backstage, but um, you know, there's still some places where it, it still feels like a movie set or, or, or you know the set of a, a show or uh, music, which we'll talk about. But um, Mike, I know you did your homework for this one because we talked about it before. So I'll let you uh, sort of jump in with what you learned about the entrance music for the park. Yeah. So the entrance music for the park is interesting because also is is fascinating to see that transition. Because if I remember correctly, if my brain is correct, is that they did a quite a number of of uh, theme songs, uh, theme music from films that are especially featured in the park. So I remember they did Star Wars because of Star Tours specifically, Indiana Jones, things like that. Um, in fact, before, it's actually kind of funny because even a uh, precursor to Galaxy's Edge, um, especially for when they did May the 4th, Be With You, they would even have stormtroopers actually patrolling on right above the turnstiles, which I was thought was awesome. Yeah. Um, so, but now they've changed it up where it's more big band music of 
of various different songs and obviously a number of Disney songs. Uh, a couple that I at least uh, was able to recognize was uh, Be Our Guest um, from Beauty and the Beast, as well as the Bare Necessities from The Jungle Book. So um, it definitely does a great blend of not only re-emphasizing the Disney brand with their own music, but then on top of that, that is really the main theme for the entire park of Hollywood Studios, especially in the in the main areas. As I mentioned before, we were talking about how like the sections like Galaxy's Edge and Toy Story Land, they have, you know, essentially their own universe of music. But, you know, for the other areas of the park, um, it they really wanted to transport you into the 1930s and 40s. So it's a lot of that kind of music back in that day um, to really get you in that mode of like in that mood of uh, the golden era of Hollywood. So um, right away, they're getting you kind of into that mindset. Yeah, they definitely want to transport you to the golden age of Hollywood. And, and part of that also revolves around Hollywood, uh, Hollywood Boulevard, which we'll get to, um, because Imagineers also focus a lot on transitions. And if you're coming from the, the real world, even if you're a local, you were at home, you're now driving to Hollywood Studios, you park your car, the first music you're really going to hear is at the entrance of the park. And to get your, your mindset in the right place to help transition you into the golden age of, of Hollywood, of course, you are going to, to your point, pick out the, the style of music that was popular back in the 30s and 40s, which golden age of Hollywood is, is I think, a really rough timeline. Like, no one has really come out with, as far as I know, a specific, like, start and end date for the golden age. But definitely the 30s and 40s were kind of the height of the golden age of Hollywood. So tuning in to that particular time period, I already have so many puns from this episode <laughs> since the beginning. <laughs> tuning in, uh, tuning into that specific time period, the 30s and 40s, you have that big band music being really prevalent in pop culture. So that, you know, that really helps to, to stylistically transition you, but to keep it familiar, you know, you have the familiar song, so you might not recognize Bippity-Boppity-Boo when you're walking into the park, because it's not just the, the classic song that you would hear on a, you know, a Disney CD, but it's a big band version of Bippity-Boppity-Boo, which Disney That's has right. been doing remember for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Were there any um, other ones that you caught in the entrance? Yes. Bippity-Bobbity-Boo, um, Friend Like Me, Let's Go Fly a Kite, Bear Necessities, and even as recent as Do You Want to Build a Snowman? Really? I did not catch that one. So there's a, there's, a, there's a number of songs, and they honestly, I'm sure, will continue to update it. Well, maybe hear Encanto at some point, you know, music from Ooh, that would be great. Can you imagine uh, big band versions of a Kanta song? Oh, <laughs> that would be awesome. That'd be great. Um, but yeah, that that big band, and also like for me, walking into Hollywood Studios, hearing big band music, it just, it, it, it's, we think about music today and pop music, and pop music is very energetic. And, you know, we don't always think about big band music as being energetic, but you have to imagine being in the 30s and 40s, obviously neither one of us was around, but going into, um, you know, a concert or into a, a, you know, a nightclub, which was a different type of vibe back in the 30s and 40s, and having a full orchestra of, you know, all these brass instruments um, and drums, percussion, live on stage, playing this swing, up, up to, uh, up-paced um, swing music, the energy you would feel in that room had to be 
just incredible, like very similar to how a lot of people feel walking into like a nightclub today when hearing house music or pop music or whatever, pick your pick your uh, favorite genre. Um, and so for me, even just like walking in while it's not a live big band there, just that big band energy, hearing some familiar Disney songs really sets the mood for me walking into the park. Absolutely. So, Let's walk into the park. Um, okay. So, Let's get yeah. so the, like I said, it, it's meant to transition you into the time period. And when we walk onto Hollywood Boulevard, we are entering the golden age of Hollywood. Hollywood Boulevard was always intended to be the main street of Hollywood Studios. There's always, you know, a lot. Not every Disney park has a main street. Epcot doesn't really have a main street. Um Animal Kingdom, you could argue, doesn't really have a main street either, but Hollywood Studios does, and Hollywood Boulevard is that main street. I think it's appropriate that they chose the the real street, Hollywood Boulevard, um, to speak to the idea that you are walking into Hollywood. Um, no other famous. There are some other famous, uh, you know, parts of Hollywood that we'll talk about, but Hollywood Boulevard being the main one. And the tagline for MGM Studios that kind of hung with Hollywood Studios was the Hollywood that all that never was and always will be. Um, sort of this idolized um, vision of Hollywood, almost how Walt would have felt, you know, arriving in Los Angeles back in the twenties. Um, although a different time period back then, it'd be maybe if he if he walked into Hollywood in the thirties, um, where the the reality of Hollywood maybe hasn't hit you yet. <laughs> like the, the dark side of Hollywood, the difficult side, how really challenging and exceptional it is to become a star. But when you enter Hollywood the first time, you feel like you are the next big thing walking into Hollywood. Like you are the next yep. celebrity. And it's meant to make you feel that way with the the architecture that with representing that time period and the um, you know, the colors that are used, and there's just this gorgeous shot down straight ahead of the Chinese uh, Grumman's theater, a Grumman's Chinese theater at the end of the of the of that, you know, sort of quote unquote main street. And then the music is there to help you as well. Um, I don't know about you, but like it's, there's this, there's this contrast in a way between the entrance and Hollywood Boulevard. You know, the entrance, as I mentioned, is energetic. It kind of gets your heart pounding, you know, gets you ready for the, the big day ahead. But then once you walk into Hollywood Boulevard, the music is mostly composed of ballads and light jazz and musical like very very subtle musical numbers um it has this very dreamy sort of um melodic melodic quality to it where it's it's quiet it's muted um and it almost feels like you're walking into a dream like i I get that i get that impression as i'm walking through hollywood boulevard and it is it's over an hour of music um when i did a little bit of a deep dive into into some of the hits it it does it does sort of speak to the the golden age era um i did and so i sort of shazammed the the music because i i couldn't recognize it off the top of my head um but there was like the title song from Gigi, which was a 1958 film there was an mm-hmm. instrumental rendition of uh the continental which was a famous song in the 30s that was um popularized by ginger rogers and fred astaire um, there's a love theme from The Sandpiper, which is a film in 1965. The song was called The Shadow of Your Smile. Um, so it's like this really like combination of romantic, dreamy, um, sort of lighthearted, uh, but quieter uh, music that's played there. 
Um, Which I appreciate because I think yeah. that that does give you almost like this calming feeling going after you know once you're actually in the park itself. And uh, I think you know I think all of us being avid park goers, that that's actually something I really appreciate because both in the beginning of the morning when you're just about to go to all the attractions, you're nice. It's nice and calming, and then especially at the end of the day when you're leaving, it's just you know it's the same kind of thing. And also to your point is that it does re-emphasize that golden age of Hollywood that's very you know kind of you know in this, this interesting blend and this is always true with with Hollywood to the even to this day it's this interesting blend of high energy meets cool and, and it's kind <laughs> of like this it, it's, it's hard to really explain but it's everybody is 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 just go 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 but it's but the end with that kind of energy but still at the same time very lax and very easygoing and I get that feeling going into, you know, H- Hollywood Boulevard specifically is that is that kind of feeling that's just like very, like you said, very almost like lounge kind of relaxed state, but still in the middle of the excitement. Yeah. And it it's a similar energy, I think, to probably even Main Street USA. Um, Main Street might be a little peppier. Um, yeah, I would say Main Street's castle. a little bit peppier. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but um you know, still not quite as as uh, loud and dramatic as as the music could be. It also provides, I think, because it's it's an old music loop. I think it provides the appropriate backdrop for the streetmosphere that was really prevalent in the park when that music loop was created, and the sounds that you hear on Hollywood Boulevard. The the one of my favorite sounds that you, you almost always hear, especially unless you're like running through the area and don't notice it is the the signals um the old traffic signals changing mm-hmm. the little the bell ringing mm-hmm. um it's it just provides like a nice little backdrop to also the sound design that's in the park too so it's it's a really nice music loop and to your point it it really fits the the beginning of the day and especially the end of the day there's when i hear that music on hollywood boulevard at the end of the day I am encouraged to slow down because I really enjoy it. It's it's yeah. so peaceful at the end of the day. Uh, and it probably there's probably some science to this. I'm sure that also the slow pace with the calming music, you're more likely to notice those gift shops on your oh, way out. Oh, I am wholeheartedly <laughs> sure. Disney so. Imagineers don't do anything usually by just a whim. They, they no. are very intentional for the things that they do, which is what one of the many things that I admire about them is how yeah. much they pay attention to those details, but absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I'll have to, I mean, Theron skis was the art director for the park at one point. So I'll have to ask, you him. gotta ask him. I'm yeah, very curious. I'm sure like, hey, did, you, did you intentionally select <laughs> this type of music to have everyone slow down at the end of the day to go to the gift shops? <laughs> it serves the vibe and the business needs, which is a, a win-win situation. Um, so obviously there's, you know, Hollywood Boulevard is mostly a main street, but the exception to this is that there actually is a, a very major attraction along this main street, which is technically at the hub of the park, but it is still, if you look at a park map, considered to be a, a Hollywood Boulevard attraction, which now, of course, is Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. It used to be, and this is one of those areas that I'll be honest, I could not confirm. I, I I had a little difficulty in confirming if this was still the case, but back when it was the great movie ride, there was a unique music loop that was played at the front of the Chinese theater. And it 
was contrasting the uh, the rest of Hollywood Boulevard in the sense that here the music was more dramatic. It was more bold. We had theme songs to a lot of iconic films from the golden age of Hollywood. So we had, um, I could have sworn I wrote it down somewhere, but I probably didn't. But you had, <laughs> you had songs. If I remember off the top of my head, like you had, um, uh, uh, somewhere over the rainbow from, uh, the wizard of Oz. And again, instrumental renditions of these songs in really bold, um, you know, a really bold fashion. Um, you had like the theme from Exodus was there. You had a lot of films that spoke to the, the different genres and some of the specifics that you'll hear. I do remember at one point, I, I don't think it exists anymore, but I remember distinctly hearing the theme song to, um, Harry Potter, um, specifically Hedwig's theme from, um, really from Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, um, which was really weird. Cause at the time the wizarding world of Harry Potter did exist when I heard this. So they were actually playing Hedwig's Hedwig's theme in front of the great movie ride when there's an entire wizarding world, just up the, up the interstate, um, that you could experience. But that would you know, be the first chose... time they've done, they've done something like that where they oh, yeah. incorporated, fil- you know, music from films that are not from their studios. Um, incorporated into their into their. I think the only thing that they, I, I could be wrong, but has they? I'm curious if they ever done use any kind of film music from Universal. That I'm curious. So they have. Russell Brower specifically told me when he was thinking of. I don't remember which area he said it was from, but he did select a song from Jaws, but it wasn't the Jaws theme. It was just another song from the score. So not so iconic that someone would hear the Jaws theme and think about Universal Studios and riding the, the Jaws attraction because <laughs> um, the Jaws attraction existed at the time. But they would, you know, it would it just fit with the the overall story and, and tone of that area. I think wow. it was Echo Lake, but I, I can't recall. And actually, Echo Lake would make sense uh, for that particular that that's really interesting. I wonder what the conversation was like to get the licensing rights for that. <laughs> I'm really curious. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it would be. I mean, it would be interesting to. I mean, now the parks play different music. I know Universal has their own um, original music that they play, and then music developed for the park. So uh, it's it's a little bit of a different game these days. But back then, they obviously did choose a lot more. Uh, especially with a movie-based park. You have two movie-based parks where Disney's licensed with MGM and there's there's some other major attractions and, and sorry, major movies that Universal owns the rights to. So um, anyway, well, that that was what was played. Um, I can't, I can't recall. And I, I tried, you know, digging into this a little bit more if that, if that music loop still exists, but now it's really focused around Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, and um, they actually have original songs. Uh, Mike, did you? Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm I'm dominating the conversation with the list no. of songs. Did you? Did no, you dive no. into uh, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway at all? I did not actually. Um, so I, you know, I'm trying to remember because it's still pretty fresh. So I don't really recall too much about that area per se. So you, I mean, you can keep on going. I don't. It, I don't really have anything to add to that. So the only the only reason I wanted to call out Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway was because one, they do have an original song. We talked mm. about it in our attraction soundtracks episode. Nothing can stop us now. But yep. there's also background music that you hear on Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, and the music was developed, composed by Christopher Willis. Um, Nothing can stop us now. The lyrics were written by Elise Willis, 
but uh, Christopher Willis actually wrote the music for the updated Mickey Mouse shorts, which the attraction is based on. So they brought the composer who developed the music for the shorts back into the equation to develop the music for the ride, hmm. which I thought was a really solid fit. Um, That's a very smart move. <clears throat> so that was that was the only thing I wanted to mention about Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. Obviously, we, we talked about the song before being iconic and sort of a new original song for the park and for Walt Disney World. But um, the, the fact that they, they have even the background music uh, as you're writing uh, developed by the same composer who developed the music for the shorts is is a really great fit. Um, but let's move to Echo Lake because we did talk Echo about Lake. Echo Lake and it is, you know, the, the Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway at this point is really the only attraction that's considered to be on Hollywood Boulevard. We're going to go around the park uh, clockwise, starting with Echo Lake. Um, one of the things I love, it's it's so handy. I bought these books back in the day. If you are a fan of the parks who wants a really quick and easy digest, it's a little outdated now, but a quick and easy digest of the um the parks they have the imagineering field guides these things are very small they're basically pamphlets that go land by land providing an overview of how the land was created maybe who developed it and these books were written by the imagineers it's published through disney so i always trust the information that's in there in fact i have debated with people about statistics that they've read on the internet on wikipedia that has been in conflict with what I've read in the Imagineering Field Guide, and I always go by what the Imagineers say. Um, yeah, they kind of so, know what they're doing. Yeah, Just so I, I trust them on on these stats. Um, but what I love about Echo Lake, so we've talked about the uh, the Golden Age of Hollywood and walking into the park. It's it's mostly 30s and 40s, a little bit of the 50s, but Echo Lake transitions us into an entirely different period of time in Hollywood. And it's focused on post-war 1950s Hollywood. So World War II is over. We're now in the 50s. It's a very different time period. In case you needed a hint that it was focused on the 50s, they have a restaurant there called 50s Primetime. Primetime, that's <laughs> so, right. <laughs> um, so they're really telling you, hey, you're in the 1950s now. Um, but the major change with Hollywood had to do with uh, the rise of televisions in everybody's home you know prior to the 50s if you wanted to watch something and it was very hard to come across somebody who owned a tv like that was that was not a thing not every home had a tv back in the 40s or the 30s it's mostly radio if you wanted to go and see a film you went to a theater to see a film but now it's an entirely different ball game you're bringing a film or a show into your home and that also brought with it the rise of broadcast television. So you now have not just movies, but you have shows that are um, becoming popular in the 50s. So that has to do with the the sort of setting. And Echo Park Lake is a real place in Los Angeles. And the reasons, I, I didn't really know why they chose Echo Lake or Echo Park Lake as, a, as the inspiration for um, this era. And it might not fit to the 50s time period, but it does speak to Hollywood history in the sense that Echo Park Lake, which I didn't know, was the original hub of films before the shift to Hollywood. So before Hollywood became the center of films, it was actually Echo Park Lake. So we're talking about um, like Charlie Chaplin's era, that Echo Park Lake was sort of the hub of Hollywood. And that also is appropriate because Walt idolized Charlie Chaplin. It was one of his childhood heroes. So you have a time period and a setting 
um, that sort of speaks to Walt's era, which I thought was really cool. Um, I have a new appreciation now for Echo Lake. <laughs> I was about to say like that place right now, that section has an identity crisis like anything else. But like, I really appreciate that more now, now that yeah. I go back and now having that understanding of that's what they were, they were going for. Yeah. And it does. I mean, honestly, it is, it is one of the areas of the park that I could easily see them updating. And, uh, you know, that's honestly like for me, I, I'm the type of person where I, I love and I appreciate the nostalgia in the past, but like Walt, one foot in the past, one foot in the future. And I always look forward to what they plan to do. Um, but I do appreciate the history of it. So, um, it's also kind of odd because then right there, the other attractions is, is like Indiana Jones, Epic Sun Spectacular, which yeah. I mean, kind of works, but that's more like 1930s, 1940s. Yeah, that that to me was also the um, when I was trying to connect it all like that, that didn't really fit for me either. And I, I know that there's definitely a reason why there is a fit. I it was not directly called out. Like I looked in the field guide, like, all right, how does this connect to Echo Lake? And it wasn't really explicitly discussed in the book. So that's something I'll have to reach out to some of my Imagineering uh, friends to figure out if uh, they can answer that question for me. Um, but here we really do start to get a different vibe. Um, <clears throat> I, I know that there's a few attractions we'll talk about, but I do want to start with the area music. So the area music here, um, it actually does speak directly to the time period. It's mostly 50s and 60s music that you're going to hear. It is a different um, tone than what you'll hear. So we talked about entrance big band brass energetic hollywood boulevard a little more laid back dreamy um love ballad type of feel going down hollywood boulevard former great movie ride big energy movie hits from the golden age of hair of hollywood um here in echo lake we get more sort of this upbeat jazz and swing music um so it's still it still has this upbeat energy but the music i caught out was and again you know thanks shazam for a lot of this because i don't know all these songs but the um the theme from taras bulba which was a 1963 film um and a couple of songs i called out uh, everywhere you go by nelson riddle which was written in 1959 and love for sale by chuck sagel and his orchestra written in by written in 1962 um or popularized in 1962 the other so one I think I, I liked it was um, "You Make Me Feel So Young." That's that's yes. a song that a lot. That's a very famous song from that era too. So I saw that was in there. Yeah, there's. I didn't call out necessarily the most popular. Um, these are just like songs that I liked that I heard in Echo Lake. That like, oh, what is this? Oh, that's what it is. Okay, I have no idea what this is because um, I wasn't alive in that era. But <laughs> it was. Um, nor am I a uh, a film historian, but it was uh, it was cool to to sort of figure out what everything was. Um, but you know, we do have music and attractions as well. So, uh, between Mike, I'll let you go to whichever attraction you want. I mean, we do have, uh, Indiana Jones, Epic Stunt Spectacular. We have, uh, Frozen, uh, the first time in forever, a Frozen sing-along celebration, a very long name mm -hmm. I can never remember. And, uh, Star Tours. Yeah. And then, um, prior to Frozen was, uh, American Idol, and yes. I, what was before that? Do you remember what was before American Idol over there? There was something else there. It was. Um, I can't remember. It was. Um, it was you know, Ameri related. Amer yes, it was. American Idol live on stage was kind of like I, when I was on the Disney College program, that was what was there. So that 
always strikes out my memory of, of walking through the park so many times, hearing the American Idol theme um, as I was walking through the park. <laughs> and I loved when they would actually play live outside what was happening inside, like a live Yeah, that was TV. cool. I remember that. Yeah. Oh, I remember. I think, vote. wasn't it? It was the equivalent of Disney Junior, but it wasn't Disney Junior. It was some sort of, uh, it was some sort of kid show. This is, you know, normally I don't, uh, I don't look things up while I am recording, but yep. this is an exception. Oh, you, so you, go ahead. It replaced. All right. So the theater was vacant. This is why I don't remember it. The theater was vacant from 2001, to 2008. Yeah. I remember it was, seven years. It was, nothing. Just, yeah. It was for a long time before that. It was Doug live. That's it. Okay. I was close. <laughs> I knew it was something like that. It was Doug Live. That's right. And that's why I don't, I don't have a memory of it because it was a vacant theater for eight, for seven, eight years. So I remember, I remember I Doug Live being over there. I never, I don't think I've ever done it, but I remember that. I, yeah. You know, the Hollywood Studios or MGM Studios back in the day was the one park that my family did not spend a lot of time in when we were growing up because my dad didn't really like thrill rides and there wasn't, you know, it was the smallest park and we prioritized days. So usually it was Magic Kingdom and Epcot, but college program starting in 2007 like my memories are sharp from then because i spent a lot of time in that park from 2007 on yeah my, my family we we spent actually quite a bit of time in hollywood studios i think that uh we really because i mean i loved star tours um that was one of my favorite attractions back then and i love the great movie ride um also liked um what was the um Wow, why why is my memory escaping me? The the uh, attraction, the backstage attraction in the back. What was that called? The backlot tour. A backlot tour. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> why am I overthinking this? But I always loved the backlot tour as well because I've always been like fascinated from, from um in film like oh all my life. I've always loved film, so for me it was always really exciting to do the backlot tour, to do star tours, to do. Um, the great movie, right? Even, um, you know, the honey, I shrunk the, uh, kids, uh, place in the back. Uh, you know, it was, it, everything about it was just, was so much fun. And I, it, I just, you know, these are things that I just loved as a kid. They even had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and they did a whole performance there like a long time ago. And to me, like, that's that, like, I really connected with that because it, it had, it was really a manifestation of my connection to, to film and television. So yeah. I, I, I loved Hollywood studios for, for those reasons. So, uh, it was still for the most part, like a half a day for us. We never really would spend a full day just because it was a smaller park, but I always loved it. I always yeah. loved it. Definitely a fun park. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious with Indiana Jones adventure and uh, not Indiana Jones adventure. Oh my goodness. I'm thinking of Disneyland, Indiana Jones, Epic Stun Spectacular mm-hmm. and Star Tours. We get a lot of John Williams music that's in both those. So we get the themes from, uh, Indiana Jones. They have music from, uh, especially Raiders of the Lost Ark and Temple of Doom. I can't remember if they have last crusade music in there or I not. I think so. I no, think I so. think you're right. I think it's mostly Raiders. Um, and because I mean, all the, all the scenes that they play out at Epic Stun Spectacular are, based on Raiders of the Lost Ark. So yeah. mostly Raiders. I think you're right. Maybe a little bit of Temple of Doom, but I don't remember really recall where, but mostly Raiders. Yeah. And it's, and it, you know, the fit is a little odd. Like we talked about it. You know, the movies were from the 1980s. The, the movies took place in 1930s. So the only connection I could thought, think of was it's the average halfway between the fifties uh, the thirties and the eighties <laughs> and the fifties. Um, <laughs> I think they wanted a, a, they, I wanted an action show and the, and they're, they called up Georgie boy and being like, Hey, do you want to do the Jones thing here too? <laughs> so here was, here's a fun fact that I learned in the field guide as I was doing my research, um, that and I'll do maybe a deep dive on this show in the, in the future. But 
The show was directed by Glenn Randall Jr., who was the second unit director for the Temple of Doom. And it was really? co-written by Gloria Katz, who also co-wrote the screenplay for Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. So, wow. Actual, like, high-level, you know, crew and at, at, at for Temple of Doom actually worked on this stunt show, which is part of the reason why it feels so authentic. Um, so that that I thought was was a, a pretty cool, fun fact from there. Wow. Not music related, um, obviously, but music, hey, the music comes from the film as well. It's from John Williams. Um, and uh, so we're going to we're going to talk about Galaxy's Edge, Star Tours. Mostly we're talking about music from the prequels and from the original trilogy. The, the Q-Loop is about an hour and a half of Star Wars music. Um, so if you just want that Star Wars vibe, maybe don't go to Galaxy's Edge. If you if you want the Star Wars, like, you know, old school movie feel of Star Wars, just sit outside of of Star Tours and or ride it and, you know, <laughs> listen to that I wouldn't that mind music. either. Honestly, I wouldn't mind uh, either. Yeah. Uh, so that that was a, a, an interesting fact. And then, of course, um, for the first time in forever, the Frozen uh, sing-along celebration, that includes songs from Frozen, um, which songs by Robert Lopez and Kristen Anderson Lopez. Um, but that was all I had because that that area is primarily we're talking about like very obvious music that's meant to fit with those three attractions that are very heavily movie based: Indiana mm-hmm. Jones, Frozen, and Star Tours. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna round about because because normally there's a, an area that a lot of people skip or don't realize is there because maybe they head to Echo Lake and then they go to Indiana Jones and Star Tours and they jump right to Muppets. Um, but if you are going from Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway to Star Tours or to Muppets, you have this little area um, known as Commissary Lane. And it's mm-hmm. one street. And this is what we're talking about when I mentioned in the beginning that you have these subset areas that you might not consider Commissary Lane to be a land, but it is a sort of like a sub land off of in between Hollywood Boulevard, Echo Lake and Grand Avenue that connects those areas together. Um, Commissary Lane is interesting because it does, the only attractions you'll find there are two dining experiences, ABC Commissary and Sci-Fi Dine and Theater. Um, Mm -hmm. But that speaks to the idea of Commissary Lane, right? It's meant to be back in the original vision of MGM Studios. In a back lot, you would have a commissary where cast and crew working on on sets, if they weren't eating catered food on the set, they would go to the, the commissary. Um, and you can pick up a number of different things. In fact, if you go to the Walt Disney Studios in Burbank, they have a commissary. So if you take the tour, like you can actually go to the commissary, you can have a meal. So ABC Commissary is a very obvious um, sort of replication of that experience meant to feel like you're in a commissary on stage and then sci-fi dining theater is a different story we'll talk about but Mm -hmm. um mike music wise what did you uncover for commissary lane oh this was great because this reminded me of 90s nick at night and i was very excited Mm -hmm. so and what i mean by that is that it is a a medley of uh, actually, I mean, not even medley. Like they go through all these different theme songs from uh, specifically through uh, television shows, um, mostly from like the you know the '60s on up. Um, some you know most mostly from like the '60s to the to the '80s, some '90s as well, but mostly from between that era. So 
Um, there were so many of them that were in there because it's about at, it's oh, um I think about an hour long of a loop. Uh, but my some of my favorites was the Adams Family, Three's Company, yeah. Happy Days, <laughs> the original Batman. You know, Adam West Batman was in there. Uh, I Dream of Jeannie, the Brady Bunch, the Mary Tyler Moore, Moore Show, and even Full House. That's probably one of the more recent ones. Uh, recent meaning like thirty years ago. Um, but uh, Full House as well was in there too. So those couple of highlights of, of some of my favorites that, that were included in there. And that that always gives me a grin. Um, just you know, watching you know, watching all those shows growing up. That's always that's always gives me a pep in the smile. So I, I caught a lot of those as well. The Mission Impossible theme. Yeah, I like that as well. Um, so here's a funny thing. This that's very this is a very like Mike Matt moment right here that I, I, I waited to to this moment to talk about with Mike. Um so there is a song and it's still on Disney brand because Disney now owns these guys. Um there is a particular flashback in Family Guy that has a song that I recognized but did not know what it was or could not think because I was too young to really remember this show. Um, but anyway, it's it's there's one particular very like 80s, um, 90s uh, synthesizer, electronic, um, calm, like organ music that's played um, or piano music that's played when I think it was Stewie is writing uh, uh, like a blog entry or something like on his computer. Okay. I'll have to play the clip for you. But anyway, yeah. it's a theme to Doogie Hauser, which is played in Commissary Lane. <laughs> <laughs> I did not catch that. That's amazing. Um, it's it's like one a very obscure Family Guy reference, um, which which I I heard it and I actually immediately thought of Family Guy because I did not remember Doogie Hauser very well, but I remember that particular scene from Family Guy. That's um, really funny. Anyway. Actually. So I was, I was hoping that you were going to say the mod theme song, but I didn't hear the mod because that's there, there's a part in, in, in Family Guy where listening to the song and like he's like it's like and then there's mod and like the song keeps like going and it keeps like going. It's like he's like he's like and then they go and then there's mod and he goes oh all right that was an ordeal. <laughs> I do remember that too. Uh, oh boy, it's not a hundred percent Disney focused, but we could totally do an entire episode of of th- references we love from Family Guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> the adult Imagineer podcast episode, um, or Teenage Plus. Um, we have to talk about sci-fi. I know it's yes. not mu- it's not a music loop per se, but there are songs that are played in it, and the sci-fi dining theater. Um, those of you listening to this episode live are now probably connecting the fact that. There's a reason why I posted the sci-fi dining theater loop in our Facebook group because I was listening to it and watching the the reel and while I was doing research and thinking back and I wanted to share it with uh, everyone in the Facebook group. So go to our Facebook group if you want to check it out. Um, but the so you know there's trailers from uh, you know we're still kind of it's offshoot I think of Echo Lake in the sense that it's it's around the corner from Echo Lake and we are talking about 50s and 60s time period uh, sci-fi B movies the the trailers that are played are things like The Blob um, which does have a theme song that's played in the trailer um Invaders of Outer Space Har- I mean just the, the the titles of these movies Horror of Party Beach Attack of the 50 Foot Woman and my personal favorite, Frankenstein meets the space monster. <laughs> <laughs> if it, I mean this this 
restaurant is intended to poke fun in a very loving way at sci-fi B movies from the 50s and 60s. I mean, these movies, if you looked at their Rotten Tomatoes scores or their IMDb scores are horrible, but they are like people love these films. Um, They're not meant to be taken seriously. They're meant to be these really goofy concepts um, that are also terrifying. Like in the 50s and 60s, these were like terrifying films, um, but also really goofy at the same time and the staff in there pokes fun at it you you know i love when they get involved and they quote the trailer as the trailer is happening like watch out (laughs) (laughs) um anyway but there's not otherwise there's not too much music in there except they have an intercession an intermission theme and a um they have a a couple of the trailers do feature music but um i don't know if there's anything else you want to call out about sci-fi mike no i think we covered that dine there if you get the chance it's hard to get a reservation um, because it's it's so much fun it's worth it yeah um so now we've talked about hollywood boulevard and echo lake and commissary lane which are original parts of the park but we are now entering a section of the park where we are getting to the real changes that have happened to the park so originally if you turned the corner from commissary lane you would hit streets of america towards the back lot you would have writer stop on your right hand side you would see the back of the facade of new york street you'd round that corner you'd be looking up at skyscrapers on the other side of the of the the fake backdrop uh, meant to replicate a new york city movie set but now you have grand avenue um grand avenue is very similar to disney springs in one particular sense so here i actually went to the imagineering field guide is not this updated as i said it is is a pretty old book it's uh new enough to be still about disney's hollywood studios but i believe it was written in like 2009 it's it's not when grand avenue is around but here's the official quote from disney parks blog about grand avenue Inspired by the revitalization and the vibrant culture of present-day downtown Los Angeles, Grand Avenue is where vintage office buildings and warehouses are being converted to exciting new uses. Guests will soon see facades for merchants appearing in this area for a music shop, loft apartments, a tailor, and more, with each window on the street featuring charming displays. So we're talking about, very similar to Disney Springs, taking an old downtown area that maybe has a lot of abandoned warehouses and abandoned buildings that are not really being used anymore and trying to revitalize that area um so that's that's the overview of grand avenue by extension we do have muppet courtyard muppet courtyard is technically now grand park um and grand park is an urban square that's off of grand avenue um so it's muppet's Muppet Vision 3D, Pizza Rizzo, Mama Melrose, those are all still technically part of um, Grand Avenue, but sort of this offshoot Grand Park area. And even the Muppet Vision 3D, if you look at the building now, actually says Grand Arts Theater. It's meant to be like a revitalized theater off of Grand Avenue. So that that speaks to the um, sort of theme. So we are, we are talking about a little more modern of a vibe and uh, that sort of, you know, Theronsky's, I've referenced him a lot because we've I've spoken with him a lot, talks about the phrase lovingly restored. Like that's that's the vibe you're meant to get from Grand Avenue. Um so Mike, as far as like vibe you get from Grand Avenue or anything you learned about the music, uh, you know, what what is what comes to mind for you? One word. Funky. Funky for sure. Funky. <laughs> Which I find really interesting because it, it really is 
it was a very different style than the rest of the park. So I found that was a very interesting choice, but a, a very refreshing choice at the same time. And not in, and also they were they're so all instrumentals, but these are instrumentals from you know some really like you know really pronounced you know profound uh, you know funk artists like Isaac Hayes was you know uh, there was a song from Isaac Hayes in there, um, Trombone Shorty is in there too, uh, Booker T and the MGs. I mean this is like you know. These are, you know, funk artists that are they're in this list, and so I thought I thought that was a very interesting choice uh, for them to make for that section. It is, and it it's you know it's a very interesting contrast to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge because that you literally that's one of the two ways, and it's my favorite way actually to get into Star Wars Galaxy's Edge in the park. But it's it is a unique uh, addition to the area. I I like it as well. Um, I think it it modernizes this area a bit it definitely gives it a different vibe and it fits so well with baseline tap house um i couldn't find to be honest a specific music loop for baseline tap house but the the live footage i tried to get from like bloggers inside and then when i read about it because i haven't honestly been in baseline tap house in a while is that it really has a a very modern pub vibe to it um where it, it it's it almost does bring you to a real downtown Los Angeles revitalized urban district, um, downtown district where you get a, uh, you know, if you go into a pub, you're going to hear pretty much modern hits. Um, and so that, that is the vibe in baseline tap house. I think it fits the target demographic for baseline tap house for, you know, maybe one parent, um, or, you know, a couple who wants to just like get a little bit of a break in the park, kind of, uh, still be in theme, but maybe not have the the big band brass music and swing music. And you just want a little bit of a, you know, it's almost like a mini Disney Springs. Rather than going all the way to Disney Springs, you have a little break in the park. Um, and it's a very small place, so we're not talking about very long. And it obviously is also, you know, the unofficial lounge attached to Sci-Fi Dining Theater. They do share, actually, um, there's a little shared entryway. So, hmm. It fits really well for. It was a great addition for um, sci-fi dining theater because I remember back in the day, you know, pre-even booking online and you call to make a reservation at sci-fi dining theater, that uh, you'd sometimes wait forty-five minutes and they only have a mm-hmm. few seats there, so you yeah, very kind of walk so around. You, cannot, you have to walk around or like or find just like some if you're lucky in shade like on one of the like yeah. like just kind of lean against for a little while, yeah. Yeah. So Baseline Tap House was just such a perfect fit to, you know, it's part of Grand Avenue. It's not part of Commissary Lane, but it's it's at this this junction point that does still maybe not thematically tie into sci-fi dining theater as well. But it it does um, provide a great addition as a lounge for those who are waiting to get a table at sci-fi dining theater. People do wait. And that's part of the reason you get a wait at sci-fi is because people do love to hang out in there because of the, mm-hmm. the atmosphere. True. Oh, yeah. Um. They'll always get the dessert at Sci-Fi because you want to finish that reel. You want to enjoy the the atmosphere, the air conditioning a little bit more. It's always dark and always nighttime in there. It's just so much fun. Um, <clears throat> so that's that's all I really had for Grand Avenue as a whole. The the funk vibe, as you mentioned, baseline tap house. But then we do get to Grand Park. Um, and so this is the former Muppets Courtyard, mm-hmm. and Muppets is one of my favorite. Muppet Vision 3D is one of my favorite attractions. Mike, I know you love it as well. Um, you and you also sure made you caught- me grow to that that attraction. By the way, I I originally hated that 
that attraction. <laughs> I think you've shared this story with us before. Yeah, with I the, think I'm um, pretty sure I shared that Waldo. story. So yeah, with Waldo. So just just a <laughs> recap. I I as a kid, I was traumatized by Waldo, especially when he like was like, you know, I I think it looks like I'm talking to everyone else, but I'm actually talking to you. And it kind of like its <laughs> nose comes in. I I remember. I still remember this to this day, and freaks me out. And it's taken me a very long time before I could get enough courage to go back on that attraction. Now it's one of my favorites. Now I love it so yeah. much. Um, yeah, it's, it, I, I, that part always did. Like, I didn't like that part as a kid either. Cause I didn't like being singled out in a crowd and I felt like I was obviously as an adult, you know, it's, everybody's getting singled out <laughs> the 3d technology and, uh, Muppet labs, but, um, music wise, I'm sure you probably caught some stuff. Oh yeah. In general outside. So there is a list of all kinds. And what I like about it is that it's all encompass around the Muppet Show theme. So the Muppet Show theme is a very like, you know, peppy, hunky-tunky kind of a of a feel up to it. And so a lot of the, so the, all the music choices are around that same uh, various theme. So they have all kinds of, like all kinds of various different songs that are, that have that kind of feel to it. Um, of course, they do have the Muppet Show theme. They actually do play that a couple of times through the loop. Um, but there is also, um, uh, there's a, so here, here's something that I wanted to ask you. There's a song, and I want to know how you pronounce it. Okay. I think a lot of people don't pronounce it correctly. And and so the part goes, da 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 And then what do you say? Manamana. Yeah, but it's it's Mahana. It's like Mahama, Mahana, Mahana, or something like that. It's like, it's M-A-H-N-A, M-A-H-N-A. So there's we, an H in there. There's an H in I there. I put an N. I put an N. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I, I go, I go, Menomina or something like that. So that's one of those, um, like, uh, butterfly effects. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, or, that's very interesting. I did not know that. Uh, you're talking about, um, not the, the butterfly <laughs> effect. Um, you're talking about, uh, what, what is it called? Oh, shoot. I, I used to know the name of this, you know, but you know what I'm talking about. It's like yes. where everyone thinks it's, it's one specific yep. way. Like the Berenstain Bears is the, is the best one, but actually Berenstain Bears. Yeah. Yes. That one. Um, so, uh, that, yeah. So it's, it's funny. Like, I, cause I was actually looking at the list and I'm like, there's an H in this song. Like I knew what the song was, but I was like, I didn't realize that was what it is. So now I need to go back and really, you know, I got to go back and really carefully listening. And is, is there an H sound in there somewhere? Or is it I, I don't know. I'm gonna go back and listen to some Muppet songs now. Um, but I do like <laughs> I do like that it's instrumental versions of of all those songs. Um, and it's very very chill. You're right. It's very uh, very Muppets. Like it's it just it fits. It's very fits yeah. It's it's very whimsical. It's it's very whimsical. whimsical. Like the entire the entire yeah. Is it the entire yeah. music loop is very whimsical, which I always appreciate. Yeah, the music like the instrument choices are so. Um, so specific and so uh so well done like it's I, I i have to actually like replay it i'm trying to replay it in my head to call out some of the specific instruments that are used but a lot of woodwinds um like very very mm. uh whimsical type of instruments that are that are chosen um again very honky tonk pianos sounds and things yeah. like that too and right piano songs, is definitely so. a prevalent instrument that's used there mm. um now, across the way used to be Pizza Planet. Pizza Planet had a very short loop um, that just played Toy Story songs. Um, and it was a very short loop, very intentionally, because it's quick service and they want you in and they want you out. But Pizza Rizzo um, 
is not the same case. So Pizza Rizzo actually does have a pretty lengthy loop. Uh, and there is a lot of seating in Pizza Rizzo. Pizza Planet was always two stories, but I think with the addition of the dining room or the banquet hall on the second floor, somehow they added space. Like there's there's something they did to Pizza Rizzo, or maybe they just realized that there's now so many dining options at Hollywood Studios, they didn't have to worry about just creating a 15 minute loop to get people in and out. Um, when they go crazy hearing strange things for the third time. Um, <laughs> but uh, Pizza Rizzo, I mean, so it's meant to be kind of a, a, a very Muppet twist on a, an Italian, like a New York Italian restaurant. Um, very in character with the type of restaurant that Riz- Rizzo would create the trash cans even have personality (laughs) like pick up after yourself i'm running a business here (laughs) like it's very very in character and the music is primarily made of italian classics so when you go in there it's really you're getting um that's amore and uh funicula like really i'm not italian so i do i have a horrible accent but that is like you're gonna get a lot of those types of um songs when you're in there so it really fits the the Rizzo Italian restaurant vibe very stereotypical very um but also like just so much fun very in Muppets universe type of personality um the only area loop I could not figure out um I tried again like watching blog videos reviews live dining reviews of Mama Melrose it was very hard to hear the background music but um Mama Melrose, I don't think, has a very distinct music loop. It's it's mostly, from what I heard, like similar music you would actually hear in a in an authentic Italian restaurant. Um, not so much the the cliche Italian classics, but a medley right, of that would, which would make sense of pizza rizzos. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. So you get more of like a medley of like what you would really hear in an Italian restaurant um, if you. Uh, you were to dine somewhere outside of disney but i i could not confirm the specifics it's amazing how grand avenue there's so much music um but it's yeah. it is that it is a new area so i think that they enhanced it with you know baseline tap house doesn't really have a music loop it's more like a spotify playlist uh, but grand avenue has a, a really great music loop um now we're getting to the some of the big ones um star wars galaxy's edge is yes. a new land in a lot of senses and one of those senses has to do with music And with that, we close out episode 138 of the Imagineer podcast. I hope you enjoyed part one, but stay tuned because part two gets even better. We talk about some of the park favorites at Disney's Hollywood Studios. We're going to kick it off with Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, transition to to, uh, Toy Story Land, then talk about Animation Courtyard, and close things out with Sunset Boulevard. I, of course, want to turn this conversation over to you and hear of the first areas we discussed, the entrance, Hollywood Boulevard, Echo Lake, and Grand Avenue, which park music, which park music loop or attraction song you can 
play with this however you want, but what's your favorite music in those areas of the park? You can send me your answers and feedback as always in so many different ways and perhaps the easiest way is to connect on social media on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, or LinkedIn at Imagineer Podcast or on Twitter at Imagineer News or better yet, our Facebook group, The Imagination, also called The Imagineer Podcast Disney Fan Community, where you can not just send me your answers, but you also get the chance to see what other people are responding and connect with them with other Disney fans who love all things Disney. So you can feel free again to join our Facebook group over at The Imagination. And if you haven't yet joined our YouTube channel or subscribed to our YouTube channel, make sure to head to our YouTube page at youtube.com slash podcast because we have lots of great new content that you'll be able to see each month. I try to post as much as I can, some videos from Walt Disney World, uh, most recent videos from 2022 and beyond, depending on when you're listening to the show. So subscribe over on YouTube when you get the chance. Speaking of subscribing, if you don't already subscribe to or follow Imagineer Podcast, make sure to hit that subscribe or follow button on whatever podcast app you're using to listen to Imagineer Podcast so that you never miss a podcast episode. And if you have a moment to leave us a rating and a review over in Apple Podcasts, that really helps the show out. We have more than 650 ratings and reviews. I do read each and every review that comes through and often share them out to my Instagram and Facebook stories. And I want to sincerely thank if you listen, thank those of you listening who have helped us to maintain a uh, five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, which is amazing and definitely encourages me to continue moving forward and pushing even harder to make this community an amazing place for all of you. If you'd like to take your love of Imagine Your Podcast to the next level, please do look into our Patreon group over at patreon.com slash Podcast, where you can support the show and also get some extra content and perks and benefits, things like access to a private Facebook group. We do weekly Disney Plus watch parties together. We'll do weekly Disney chats. We have Lots of bonus podcast episodes and so much more content to enjoy. So again, head to patreon.com slash Podcast. And if there's anything you would like to see on the show that either is a specific episode or other ways that you would like to connect with Disney through Imagineer Podcast, feel free to send me an email at matt at imagineerpodcast.com. But when you're ready to travel to Walt Disney World or Disneyland or any other Disney destination, please do look into our travel partner, which is Magical Park Vacations. They offer a complimentary service in helping to plan out all the details of your Disney vacation, provide an incredible level of service. I personally use them in planning out my Disney vacations. Um, They are a sponsor of the show, but I work with them because I use them and because I trust and respect everything that they have to offer, not the other way around. So definitely check them out over at MagicalParkVacations.com and feel free to reach out to their sister companies, WDW Park Planners and Magical Park Tours. If you're looking for a concierge level service and an in-person tour service to really enhance your Disney vacation, to make the most of every single moment, they will help you to plan out every single detail. And that in-person tour guide will actually walk you around the parks and totally eliminate all the guesswork and helping to figure out where to go next, what to do, and to make the most of your in-park experience. You can learn more about them at www.parkplanners.com and magicalparktours.com. And I've got links to all of those places in the show notes below. Last but not least, I want to encourage you, as I always do, to go after your hopes, your dreams, your goals, whatever you might have in mind to make those dreams a reality. And remember, as always, that inspiring quote from Horizons, if you can dream it, you can do it. 
Thank you so much for listening to the show, and we'll see you again in a future episode of the Imagineer Podcast. Resort for the world's most magical celebration. Every moment is amazing, the joy is never ending, and the memories last a lifetime. Because when you celebrate with us, nothing could be more magical. Contact Magical Park Vacations to book your Walt Disney World Resort vacation today. Call 585 662 3686 or visit magicalparkvacations.com.